Way back in the early church, Christians prayed a beautiful three-word prayer often. It's really simple, yet really profound. It's simply, come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. So before we take a look at our passage this morning, I'm actually going to have us pray that same prayer together in alignment with those early brothers and sisters in the church. So if you're comfortable, wherever you are right now, I invite you to turn your palms towards heaven and pray with me. Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. What I've come to find is this simple prayer of the early church is one of the most effective prayers I've ever prayed. It's so effective because it does something for me that I so often need. It reminds me that God is always with me. And not only is he always with me, but he's always leading my life. And I pray this prayer regularly because church, more often than not, I forget that he is with me and that he is always leading. Why do I forget? Well, because more often than not, my eyes are fixed on what is seen, on what I can see, touch, hear, feel, on what is right in front of me. And the past few months, to be honest, church, I've been exhausted and stressed and filled with anxiety because I've spent so much of my time and focus on what is seen and what is temporary. In the past few weeks, God has done something in my life. He's lovingly revealed to me through this simple prayer that he needs to shift my focus off of what is seen back to what is unseen, off of what is temporary on to what is eternal. And my hope is that for each one of us this morning, that the Holy Spirit would do the same, that he would shift our attention back to where it belongs. And as he does so, I ask that he would reveal to us what we're going to see in our passage this morning, that the Holy Spirit is always with us and he always is leading. So let's take a look at that truth in our passage, starting in verse 26. It says this, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. I love this story. And what I love about it is that it begins with the Holy Spirit's leading and it ends with the Holy Spirit's leading. I think I used to get confused when I read Acts chapter 8 because I thought it was all about Philip. But what I've come to realize is Philip is really just along for the ride. The Holy Spirit's the one in charge. 
So, okay, okay, where are we at? Who's Philip, first of all? And where is he currently in the New Testament narrative? Well, at this point in the story of the New Testament, Jesus has been crucified, died, buried, resurrected, and now he's ascended. And immediately after his ascension, a great persecution of the early church has begun. Stephen, the first martyr, has just been killed. And the church has been scattered from Jerusalem. So Philip has run for his life from his hometown of Jerusalem. And what is he doing now? Well, let's start by looking at what he isn't doing. Notice, he isn't moping along, complaining to God about all the bad things that have happened in his life and in the church. He isn't focused on how the church is being destroyed and persecuted. He isn't complaining about how he's lost his home. I'll tell you right now, if I was Philip, I know where mine would, my mind would be. I'd be focused on all the things I'd lost. I'd be focused on the bad news. If I'm Philip, I'm focused on what I've been robbed of. I mean, I've been robbed of my home. I can no longer safely go back to Jerusalem. I've been robbed of my religious liberty. My friends are in jail because of their faith in Jesus. But that's not where Philip's at. He's not there because he's not focused on what he's lost, but rather he's focused on what couldn't be taken away. You see, Philip's focus was on something else entirely. And he understood that no matter how much the church was persecuted, no matter how many people were thrown in jail, no matter what he had been robbed of, there were certain things that could not be taken away. He knew that Jesus was in him and that he was in Christ. He knew that someday when the full restoration of all things occurs, when God brings about a new heaven and new earth, there would be no more tears and no more pain. He knew that he had a future that was secure in Christ. And friends, I want to remind us, no matter what is happening in our world, no matter what we see today, like Philip, we have things that cannot be taken away. And the call of the Christian life is not to focus on those things that we've lost, but on those things that we've gained. To not focus on what is seen, but what is unseen. To not focus on what's temporary, but what is eternal. Philip is focused on these things. And notice in that, he's living in mission. He's just been kicked out of Jerusalem. And he's like, okay, you'll kick me out of Jerusalem? Well, I guess I'm going to go to Samaria and I'm going to preach there. And after preaching in Samaria, he's not walking along and an angel shows up. And the angel tells him, rise and go towards the south. So what does he do? He goes. He's not told what he's going to do exactly or who he's going to see or what he's going to say. It's sort of like an Abraham moment. All he hears is go and he's obedient. And what we see here in Philip's life is that following Christ begins with letting the spirit lead. And Philip is being led by the spirit and he's being led by the Spirit for his mission. Now, I just want to take a step back for the moment because I think some of us have maybe never felt like the Spirit has led us. And I think 
We often miss out on what the Spirit is doing, on how he's leading, because our focus is out of alignment with God. We're focused too much on what is seen, on what is right in front of us. We're focused on what we've lost. We're not focused on where our lives should be. We're not focused on what we've gained, on what we've been given in Christ And that simple prayer, come Holy Spirit, it's designed to do something. It's designed to shift our focus back to what we've been given and what cannot be taken away. You see, friends, I think many of us wonder why we don't hear from God. And it's because our focus is all on what's temporary. Our focus is all on what's seen. And you may be wondering, well, how does prayer and opening up my palms, how does that shift my focus? Well, prayer, it simply removes our focus from ourselves and our situation and it shifts our focus onto God. It moves our focus from what is seen to what is unseen. It shifts our focus from what is temporary onto what is eternal. And I don't know about you, church, but I constantly need that reorientation because more often than not, I'm caught up in the wrong stuff. So, okay, Philip, he's focused on what is unseen. He's focused on what cannot be taken away. He's focused on what he has in Christ and he hears God and he responds. But the story doesn't stop there because in the midst of his response, he's walking along and the Holy Spirit now gives him some more specific direction. The Spirit says, Go join the chariot. And what we're going to see next is that when we allow the Spirit to lead us, he shows us opportunities to share his good news. So let's take a look at that in the text. In verse 30, it says, Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. And he asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to slaughter. And like a lamb before its shears is silent, he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? And then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. So Philip, he's being led by the Spirit and the Spirit directs him further to run up to the chariot. And he does so. And he sees this guy in the back of the chariot reading the scroll of Isaiah. Now, this must have been a kind of goofy scene because I've seen the scroll of Isaiah. Isaiah is not a short book. The scroll in Israel is 50 yards long. So here's the eunuch. I imagine he has a rather large scroll in his hands. He's real well-dressed. He's in the back of his chariot and he's worked his way through most of the scroll. He's getting towards the end. And Philip, the disciple, asks him a simple question. He says, do you know what you are reading? He doesn't say, "Uh, I know all about this. Let me tell you. No, he simply 
and humbly asks a question. And this is one of the best ways for us to begin to share the good news by asking good questions. This is what happens in Alpha each week. It's sharing the good news through listening and asking good questions. So Philip asks him this question and then they keep reading on till they get to this line. What we now know is Isaiah 53 verse seven. And it says, he was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep before its shears is silent. He opens not his mouth. And as the eunuch reads this scripture, he pictures a lamb that was slaughtered. What a troubling image and strange. And he turns to Philip and he asks for him to explain what's going on in the scripture. He asks, who is this written about? Is it written about the prophet or someone else? And in verse 35, it says, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. So, okay, okay. What exactly is going on here? Well, there's a section of scripture in the New Testament where John the Baptist, he looks at Jesus and he says something. He says, behold, the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. This is one of Jesus' titles in scripture, lamb of God. And this is whom the prophet Isaiah is writing about. He's writing about Jesus. And that's no surprise because Jesus says about himself, he says, you see all the scriptures, all the Bible scriptures, all the Old Testament, it's all about me. Now, you might be thinking to yourself right now, this doesn't sound like very good news. And that's because it wasn't really good news about Jesus. But it is good news for us. And I want us to focus on this Greek phrase, good news, or euangelion in Greek. Uh, it's where we get the word evangelism from. Believe it or not, this Greek phrase that's used throughout the New Testament, it's actually Roman political language. You see, the good news was shared when the Romans came back from crushing all of their enemies. And throughout the Roman world, we actually have monuments commemorating this political good news, even today. What you see on your screen right now is a picture commemorating the good news of Rome. This is the Roman Emperor Galerius. He's located on the Arch of Galerius. That's in the modern uh, day city of Thessalonica in Greece. And this is a depiction of Galerius's defeat of the Persians. Now, I want you to notice a few things about this picture. The Roman Emperor Galerius, he's on the horse on the left, and he's currently crushing a Persian soldier under his horse. On the other side, on the right side, is the Shah of the Persians. He's about to be unseated and defeated by Galerius. Also, at the top, there's an eagle representing the empire of Rome. And this eagle is handing uh, the emperor Galerius the victory wreath. So a few things to note about this picture of Roman good news. Uh, it's embellished. It's exaggerated. 
I can tell you right now, the emperor of Rome did not lead his army into battle and go into single combat against the king of the Persians. And he did not have an eagle hand him a victory wreath in the midst of his defeat of the Persian Shah. He was probably in his office somewhere, sending out orders for soldiers to follow. Notice also, Galerius is large and everyone else is smaller. This says something about the Roman royal family, that they were larger than life. So just for a moment, I want to compare this good news of Rome with this good news of Christ that Philip shares. This is the good news of Rome. Emperor Galerius on his horse. If you get in our way, we'll slaughter you. We'll crush you. This is the good news of Jesus. I was like a sheep led to slaughter for you. If you get in my way, I'll be crushed for you. Rome, if you rebel against us, you might end up dead. Jesus, because of your rebellion, I'll die. Rome, we are the best and the largest and the most powerful. Jesus, I was the most powerful, but I became small. I gave up my power to die in your place. Friends, this is the good news of Rome and the good news of Christ. So Philip, he shares the good news of Christ. And I can only imagine this Ethiopian eunuch, this man with earthly power and wealth who knew the ways of the Roman Empire being absolutely floored. It's like, you mean this is how God cares for me? That he gave himself up for me? You mean I'm made right because of what God has done? You see, friends, this is a good news worth talking about. It's good news that we don't have a God that's looking for us with a desire to crush us, but rather we have a God who was crushed for us. We don't have a God that's pursuing us to pour out his wrath. No, we have a God that pursues us to pour out his mercy and his grace through his radical sacrifice. It's in that that we find our salvation. This is the good news. And here's the beautiful thing about the story. It doesn't end with just Philip sharing the good news about Jesus. No, because after he does, something else happens. The eunuch responds and is baptized into the family of God. And this shows us that ultimately we share his good news to expand his kingdom. Let's take a look at that starting in verse 36. It says this, and they were going along the road and came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. You see, friends, ultimately we share the good news to expand his kingdom. I love this because Philip, he shares the good news about Jesus and the eunuch is immediately baptized He's now a part of a new family, 
the family of God. He's now a part of a new kingdom established by Jesus. And this is so important for us to remember as Christians because ultimately our allegiance is not to any earthly good news. Our allegiance is not to any earthly political message. No, our allegiance is to the kingdom of God. And I love what the church fathers say about the eunuch. One of the church fathers, Irenaeus, says that the eunuch, he went back rejoicing back to Ethiopia and he shared this good news of the kingdom. And what we know from church history is that Ethiopia, it's one of the earliest churches in history, flourishing churches. This man brought the good news to his community. Now, I want to remind you that this good news, it's different. It's different than any earthly or political good news. And in the midst of this season, we have many that are looking to Roman good news, to earthly victory for salvation. But friends, we don't look there for our salvation. We look to the good news of Jesus Good news that is not accomplished through conquest. It's accomplished through sacrifice. It's not accomplished through crushing our enemies. It's accomplished by being crushed for our enemies. You see, this is the way of Christ. And our world needs this good news message, I believe, now more than ever. And I think we have a better opportunity now maybe than ever before in our lifetime, to share his good news. And church, here's the beautiful thing about it. It's not all on us because the Holy Spirit is always with us and he's always leading us. And in that, he shows us opportunities to share his good news for the expansion of his kingdom. Thanks be to God.